graduated yesterday from Oral Roberts University with a um, overall GPA of 384, which was summa cum laude, which is the highest honors that one can have with a bachelor's degree. But with that to say, I think, uh, and I've mentioned this to Pastor Harold, I've learned more in terms of practical ministry from Pastor Harold and, and this church and being here for a year and a half than, than my four years of education. Uh, I respect and honor over you, but just just what I've been able to learn from, from Pastor Harold and, and his ministry have just have been phenomenal, and, and uh, I'm really grateful. Now, it's going to be really hard for me to speak this morning, so before I, I speak, I need to share a little story, a little dream that I had, and so to make it a little bit easier for me. As I was praying, I knew that I was going to be speaking here this morning, and it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time praying, thinking about it, and and. and when you, when, you med- when you meditate or think about something, then you begin to dream about it. And so, so I had a dream. And in this dream, I had a couple people from this church. And so I wanted to share this morning about it, if you guys don't, you know, if it's okay. Uh, I had a dream that I died in a car accident and I went up to heaven. Well, when I went up to heaven, St. Peter greeted me. And he began to walk me around on the gold street, show me around. And I mean, it was phenomenal. It was everything I thought it'd be. And then St. Peter said, Russell, in heaven, there's these speed bumps that you can't step on. Because if you step on it, you're going to get an ugly spouse for the rest of eternity. I figured, whoa, I've never read this in the, in the Bible. And he said, well, you know, there's a lot of things you don't know. So, you know, after, after he showed me everything around, he, he left me. And so I'm walking around and, and looking around. And all of a sudden, I, I, I saw Brother, brother uh, Trey. Walking around, and, and Brother Trey, go ahead and raise your hand. I saw Brother Trey walking around, and, <clears throat> and, and he had an ugly spouse. <laughs> now, I said, Brother Trey, what happened? And Brother Trey said, Russell, I was playing some football up in heaven. And I was going for a catch, and I didn't notice a speed bump. And so I stepped on it, and I got an ugly spouse for the rest of eternity. I said, whoa, that's, that's a good lesson. I, I, I can't do this. So I, you know, I kept on walking. And then as I kept on walking, I saw David too. And, and David was rocking around with, I mean, just ugly. I, they don't come this ugly. You know, there's nobody this ugly I've seen in this world. I said, David, what happened? And David said, Russell, I was so caught, cut up by the, by the gold streets that I was just looking around and I was just amazed that I made it to heaven. <laughs> And, and I'm walking on the gold streets, and as I was walking around, I, I stepped on a, on a speed bump, and I got an ugly spouse. I figured, man, I, I need to be careful. I need to be really careful. So I kept on walking. As I kept on walking, I saw Brother Jeff. Now, Brother Jeff, right there in the back, he was walking around with a very beautiful woman. Now, she wasn't as beautiful as my wife, but she was the most beautiful, gorgeous woman in heaven. And I said, I need to find out how you get a beautiful wife in heaven. So I go to Brother Jeff and I said, Brother Jeff, so good to see you, but you need to tell me how you get a beautiful wife in heaven. Well, he didn't answer. She answered. She said, I was walking and I stepped on a speed bump. <laughs> oh. I asked the man who can take a joke, and he volunteered. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. It's good to be here, family. Um, 
thank you so much for welcoming our family. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for the friendships and, and relationships that we've developed. Uh, you know, I, I've heard about the past youth ministers at this church, and I, I haven't seen them at this church. Uh, I want to tell you that you will see me at this church, and, and I'd love to keep a relationship. I'd love to come and, and, and con continue to be in contact with you. Um, before I go into my message, I wanted to share, and it's appropriate since Pastor Harold's birthday is tomorrow, uh, I wanted to share a couple things that I've learned from Pastor Harold in the last couple of years that, that have transformed my life. And uh, if, I ever, if I ever do write a book, and eventually I, I'll write a magazine or something, of men that have influenced my life the most, I think if, if there's going to be a couple men, Pastor Harold will be one of them. And even though I've known him for a very short time, I've learned so much from him. And uh, so much from him that I haven't learned from, from some of the ministers that I come, my, my, my background is from in, in terms of Russian and Ukrainian. And so four things I wanted to mention that, that I think you guys need to be grateful for Pastor Harold. Number one is Pastor Harold, and I've learned from him, is, is, is not just a... He's a community pastor, not a four-wall pastor. Um, if Pastor Harold were to leave Jenks tomorrow, the whole community of Jenks will know. Not just these four walls, the whole community of Jenks will know. Pastor Harold is a community pastor. Things that, that he does, like, like Easter egg hunt, or, or writing in the magazines here in the Jenks journals, uh, or uh, I remember about a year ago, I went into the city council to talk to them about doing a Pastor Harold Appreciation Day. There was nobody in the office that I talked to that didn't know Pastor Harold. I work in all the, I, I substitute teach right now in all the schools, there's nobody, there's never a time I ask somebody about Pastor Harold and, and, and that, that doesn't know him. Pastor Harold is a community pastor. And as you might have heard, my desire is, is to go back to Seattle and to plant a church. Uh, Seattle is one of the most unreached cities in America today with only less than 2% of people going to church. And, and with that in mind, uh, I want to imitate Pastor Harold and his ministry and being a community pastor for the Seattle area. Second thing that I've learned from Pastor Harold uh, that have enriched my life is, is the fact that the public schools want us, and not only want us, they need us. Very often we hear, oh, public, public schools are closed for Christians. You can't go and preach in public schools. You can't do this in public schools. You know what? I, now that I've known Pastor Harold and seen what he does, I think the people that say that are just using that as an excuse not to go into the public schools. Because, because the doors that I see right now that are, are so wide open in the public schools, uh, it's just it's just phenomenal. And Pastor Harold has shown me that it's possible to get in there. It's possible. You don't go in there and preach hell and damnation to them, but you go in there, you become friends with the, with the principals, you become friends with the coaches, you become friends with the teachers, and they want you in there. They want to connect with you. They want, they, they, they want you to, to come and, and speak to the students. They want you to develop, develop a relationship with the students. Uh, they want that. And uh, you know what? In, in, in the years that I've... I was a youth minister in Seattle for, for a large church, over 3,000 people. You know what? In those five years, I, have, I had not met a pastor that has been to a public school. Yeah, I've, I've known some young guys that have 
gone to lunch to meet with some of their students, but I have not seen a pastor that have gone to a public school. <coughs> pastor Harold is known in every public school here in Jenks by every administrator. And he goes in there and he, he's like, he like owns that place. Uh, and that, that's just, that was revelation for me that public schools in America are open for us. We just want to, we just, we just have to want to go there and they'll accept us. The third thing that I've learned from Pastor Harold and, and looking at his ministry is that being long tenured in one community, there is, you, you become most effective when you are planted in a church long term. As I began to look into Pastor Harold and, and, and do some reading, I picked up a book called uh, Turnaround Churches, which is a, uh, what, what they did is they looked at 30 churches that were dying out and they exploded with growth. And as I was reading the book, one of the things that I found about churches that exploded with growth, the average tenure of that church, of the pastor in that church, was about 20 years. So the churches that do turn around, the pastors aren't coming in there and in a few months the church grows. No, it's, it's pastors that have planted themselves in the community, have, have gotten respect in the community, have gotten to know the people, and then the churches began to turn around and explode with growth. And certainly knowing Pastor Harold, I, I want to say boldly that, that Pastor Harold's best days are still ahead. I think the, the, this church's best days are still ahead. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, but Tulsa was recently named number one city to relocate to in America. Out of 100 cities, Tulsa was named, they took 100 cities that you can relocate to. Tulsa was named number one. And of 100 cities in America, Jenks was in the top 50. A small town of less than, of 10,000 people, Jenks was named one of the top 50 cities to relocate to in America. I mean, I'm talking about Florida compared to California and some of these cool states. Jenks, Oklahoma. <laughs> Jenks, Oklahoma is the top, one of the top 50 cities that you, you can relocate to. Uh, within a, a, a one-mile radius, two-mile radius. I don't know if you guys have, have been reading up on what's going to be happening here uh, in Jenks, Oklahoma in the next few years. But if there's a city to live in, it is Jenks, Oklahoma. Uh, there's, a, there's a town square that's going to be built called Village on the Main, which is going to be just, just right. If you look at the lighthouse, just on the left side of that, huge. I, I mean, if you, if you just go to Village on the Main, I think, .com, you can look at the pictures. Phenomenal what's going to be built there. Across the turnpike, they're going to build, they're going to build something called the River District that's going to bring in 7,000 temporary jobs and 4,000 permanent jobs. It's going to bring in 300, in the beginning there's going to be 300 condominiums, eventually there's going to be 600 condominiums. The city of Jenks is, is set to explode with growth. And I think this church is, is in such an awesome location, and you guys have had such an awesome ministry, the best days of this church are, are still ahead. And it's, the, it, it's what I read in the book of Turnaround Churches, I think is taking place right here at this church where you have a pastor that's committed to long-term and, and commi committed to the community, is well-grounded in the community. And, and that's been such an awesome lesson for me. And uh, the last thing I want to say about uh, what, I've, uh, what I've learned from Pastor Harold is, uh, as a pastor, and this is sometimes for me was challenging to look at. Sometimes I would look at that and I, I'd go in my car and cry. As a pastor, sometimes... 
sometimes you, have, you just have to do things alone. I remember sometimes coming into the church and I'd see pastors stacking chairs alone. Now, I know pastor isn't as, as young and, and strong and, and fast and, and, and movable as maybe some of you. But I remember walking in and I'd see pastors stacking chairs alone or, or moving around tables alone. And, and for me, that was, that was humbling because, you know, going over, you seeing some big preachers, you know, preachers that often come in when worship ends and leave before, before prayer is over and they're not seen by people. Uh, pastor Harold is the kind of pastor that, that, that comes before church, sets up chairs, is here up front at the end of church is standing and talking to everybody. And for me, that, that set a standard that's pretty high. Uh, you know, that's something that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life in ministry. And, uh, you know, I just, today, Pastor Harold, I want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for a year and a half that I can learn from you. Uh, thank you for teaching me. Um, I've asked Pastor, uh, we have a team forming in Seattle with, with which we're going to be starting a church and I've asked Pastor to be one of the board, one of the uh, one of the men on the board of advisors of our church. Uh, I want our team to to get a hold of Pastor Harold at least on a weekly or so basis, maybe on Skype or, or or some kind of way to we can we can communicate and just just learn from Pastor Harold. So, uh, you know, I, I want our church, the one that we eventually plan in Seattle, I want it to be connected to to this church, and uh, certainly we will be with Pastor Harold and the influence that he's already had on me and what we're going to be implementing in Seattle. So, uh, you know, if you, have any, if you had any questions, what my relationship with Pastor Harold, uh, I have deep, deep respect for Pastor Harold. And, uh, you know, there will never be in my, a time in my life where I will say anything negative about Pastor Harold. If, there, if there's ever going to be something coming out of my mouth about Pastor Harold, it's only going to be uh, ways that he's influenced my life in ways that I've learned from him. So, Pastor Harold, I, I love you a lot, and uh, thank you for being in my life. This morning, I want to take just 10 minutes, maybe or so, and, and, and share a message that I've called uh, the day of playback and the day of payback is coming. The day of playback and the day of payback is coming. A couple of years ago, the Seattle Seahawks, notice that I, I'm talking all about Seattle now. A couple of years ago, the Seattle Seahawks, they made it to the Super Bowl to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, in my mind, that was one of the most poorly officiated games ever. If you ever go and read the reviews of that Super Bowl, it is spoken of that Super Bowl as a Super Bowl that's, that's in question because of some of the calls made by the referees. Now, for those of you that don't know football, Seattle lost. And I'm telling you, I'm still frustrated about that game. I'm still believing the day of payback is coming. Because, you see, we've seen playback already. And we, see, we saw the refs making the calls that were totally wrong. And Pastor Hill, they were wrong, weren't they? I mean, a couple times they, they, they'd call a foul on a, on, a, on a player that wasn't even there. They called a foul on a Matt Hasselbeck that wasn't even close to the play. It was like the referees were bought off or something. And now the good thing is that TV, they had playback. 
And so while we were watching the football game in, in Seattle, they'd play back and the, and the commentators are like, Rest, what are you talking about? Here's the playback. Matt Hasselbeck is even, even, isn't even close to the play and you're calling foul on him. This is, this is playback. You, you can't do this. It's unfair. And, and, and you, Seahawks, they had the Super Bowl taken away from them because, because of the unfair calls. And the way we know that the calls were unfair is because of, because of playback. Now a day of payback is coming. Right, a day is coming when the Seattle Seahawks will win the Super Bowl. Right? Today I'm talking to you about the day of playback and payback is coming. And what I want you to know is that everything you do for the Lord, a day of playback and payback is coming. Everything you do towards your brother, or maybe something that you do that nobody else sees, a day of playback and payback is coming. Maybe in this world you'll never, have, you'll never see payback because there was no camera getting you on camera. But trust me, this Bible right here says that there's something called the book of remembrance that's always being written. And the day is coming when that book of remembrance will be read. Playback will be that whatever you've done will be played back to everybody and payback will come. Let me read a scripture for you in Malachi chapter 3, verse 14. And thank you so much for your prayers, Pastor. I, I am preaching three times today. Uh, I'm preaching at a church tonight, today at 2 o'clock and I'm preaching at a church tonight at 6. So God's just opened up opportunities for me to practice a little bit, uh, to preach so that, so that when we do go to Seattle... I can get up and preach in front of all types of crowds. Malachi chapter 3 verse 14. There, there came a time when people began to say, It is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept His ordinances? Or that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? Then they began to call the proud blessed. So people who, began to be, who were proud, they began to call them blessed. For those who did wickedness were raised up, and they even tempted God and got away with it. With it. And then the Bible says, so there came a time, in, in, in the time of the prophet Malachi, there was a time when people began to say, what's the use of serving God? There's a whole bunch of wicked people, they continue to do wickedness, they continue to live unrighteous lives, and there's no punishment for them. The, you know, they, they're blessed. The prideful are blessed. What's, what's the use of serving God? There's no point of serving God if the wickedness aren't punished for their reward and the, the righteous aren't rewarded for, for what they're doing. Well, the Bible says that the righteous, then those who fear the Lord, they spoke to one another. And the Lord listened to them and heard them. This is what they said. They said that a book of remembrance is written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. And the Lord answered them and he said, They shall be mine, said the Lord of hosts, on the day, on the day that I make my jewels, and I will spare them as this man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve God. 
We live in a day when there is no discernment between the righteous and the wicked. We live in a day today when you basically don't see the difference between one who fears God and one who doesn't fear God. It was a similar time in the, during the prophet Malachi. And I imagine myself probably at that time, kids would come up to their parents and they say, Mom and Dad, look at our neighbors. They don't go to church Sunday morning. They don't have to tithe. They, don't have, they can watch any types of videos they can. They can play all types of video games. They can go on all types of internet sites. And look, they have a nice house. They have a nice car. Nothing's wrong with them. Yeah, they're living a wicked life, but look, mom, they're so blessed. And then they were, uh, you know, and, and so the, the saints, they would get together, those that fear God. And, and they'd say, you know what, today there is no discernment between the wicked and the righteous. It seems like there's no difference between those that fear God and those that don't. But the Bible says that the saints, those that fear God, they encourage one another with these words. They said, hey, it's okay. Maybe today there is no discernment between those that fear God and those that don't. But a day of playback and payback is coming. Because before the Lord, there's a book of remembrance that's being written. And God says that the day will come when you will see a difference between those that serve God and those that don't. A day will come when you will see a difference between the righteous and the wicked. Dear church and family, Listen, we live in a time and age when sometimes people who do evil might seem even more blessed than people who fear the Lord. We live in a time and age when it seems like if we cheat the government with their taxes, maybe we can get away and have a little bit more money to spend on Starbucks or clothes or makeup. It seems like today if we just... You know, just cheat a little bit, lie a little bit. We can get away with it. Well, let me encourage you today and say these words, that a day of playback and payback is coming. Everything you do for the Lord, even when nobody else sees, a book of remembrance is being written. And so in the next five minutes or so, what I want to do is I want to share a couple things. Uh, how not to be embarrassed on the day of playback and payback. Number one, I'm my Bible. If you, want to, if you don't want to be embarrassed on the day of playback and payback, I challenge you, make the Bible your diet. Listen, this book will either keep you away from sin, or sin will keep you away from this book. This book will keep you away from sin, or sin will keep you away from this book. Number two, I want to say this to the young people. Young people, if you don't want to be embarrassed on the day of playback and payback, I want you to really get this. The greatest testimony that you can have as a young person, as an adult, right? We hear all kinds of testimonies. I love to hear testimonies. The greatest testimony that one can hear, and often in the church, we've done a poor job of, of highlighting these testimonies. The greatest testimony that one can have is that from an early age, I have been committed to church. From an early age, 
I have kept myself pure and holy. From an early age, I've stayed away from drugs and alcohol. From an early age, I've stayed away from trouble. That is the greatest testimony one can hear. Yeah, it's nice to hear testimonies of a person who broke his bones 22 times and has been locked up for 20 years and, and has you know, raped 10 women and, 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 and has five other kids with six different women. I mean, whatever. It's nice to hear those testimonies on how their lives have been turned around. But I think the greatest testimony one can share is that, you know what, I've, I, haven't, I haven't given up. Yeah, there was peer pressure. Yeah, there were challenges. But I, I never gave, gave in to them. So young people, you know what, I pray for you guys all the time. Just, you know, I, we almost named our kid by one of you guys. I, we wanted to name him, I, I, we almost named him Ethan. I, I'm being honest with you guys. I love you guys so much. I, and, and just for a memory for our lifetime, we almost named him Ethan. <laughs> it's just our parents in Russian couldn't pronounce it, so we, we had to name him something else. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys a lot. But, but listen, in 10 years when I, when I see you, the greatest testimony that you can share with me is that, Russell, I stay committed to church. And the day of playback and payback, the greatest testimony that you can have is that I was faithful to God and I was faithful to church. Number three, how do you not be embarrassed on the day of playback and payback? Is continue to continue challenge to challenge yourself and continue to grow in Christ. I want to share. This is probably going to be the only time ever in my life that I will share about this experience, and the only reason why is because you guys know about it. Um, about a year ago. Um, a year and, and a month ago or so, uh, me and my wife, we, we got pregnant for the first time and we went to the doctor, everything was awesome. We went back a couple of weeks later to an ultrasound machine and they looked at, at the little baby that was forming my mom, in my wife's womb and it, it hasn't grown in like four weeks. It didn't grow. Now the, the ultrasound person didn't tell us anything. She said, you just need to go to your doctors right now. We're like, okay. We went to the doctors and, and they got us in the office, sat us down, and, 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 and they looked at us and they said, you're going to have a miscarriage anytime, any day. We looked at our wife. Everything looked normal. She, you know, we didn't, had no clue. And, and my question was like, how do you know? There's, you know, everything seems okay. They said, you know what? Four weeks have passed by. And the baby in your womb hasn't grown. And they said, because there's no growth, there's no life. And so they said, you're going to have a miscarriage. And as you know, we, we eventually had a miscarriage. The only evidence of life is growth. If you're not growing in Christ and continue challenging yourself and becoming a better person, then we need to check if there's pulse in your body. Is Christ really living in you? Because if Christ is in you, and Jesus said, I am life, and so if I live, you shall live also. So if you've got Christ in you, you need to be growing. And so if you're not growing, something's wrong. We had our baby, he was born six, six eight pounds, and, and by the time he came out of the hospital, this happens all the time, he was 6'2". Is that correct, honey? 6'2". 
So he was 6'2". We went to the doctor. The doctor measured him. And he was still 6'2", right? When we were at the doctor. And so the doctor said, you need to come back in two weeks. Because the baby came out of the hospital 6'2". And you came here and he's still 6'2". So he needs to be gaining some weight. So you need to come back in two weeks. We, we went back Friday. The baby was 7 something. So he's grown. And so the doctor said, all right, everything's normal. He's grown. So we realize that if something's growing, that means everything's normal. Listen, it's the same thing in church and, and, your, and your walk with Christ. If there's no growth, then there's something's going on. You need to, you need to check your pulse. You need, to, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the cross and say, God, I, I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to change. You know, we can't be the same people from year to year to year. We need to be developing. Our character needs to be developing. Our habits need to be changing. We need to be growing in the stature of Christ. Apostle Paul once wrote to a church. He said, wrote sadly, he said, listen, it's, I'm writing this letter and it's so sad because I need to be feeding you uh, meat by now, but I still have to feed you milk. Listen, if we come back here in a year, we feed our baby boy milk right now. If we come back here in a year and we're still feeding him milk all the time and, and, and no real food, then you know something's wrong. Because you know what time will come when he's going to need to start eating some meat. I can't wait. <laughs> time will come when he needs to start eating some meat. And if he doesn't get there, something's wrong. We understand that about babies. We understand about life. We just need to understand that now about our spiritual growth. That we as people need to be growing and developing. And if on the day of playback and payback, we don't want to be embarrassed by some of our choices we made, make sure you challenge yourself every week. Am I growing in Christ? Am I becoming a better person? Am I becoming a better hus husband? Am I becoming a better driver? You need to be challenging yourself. You need to be growing in that. Last thing I want to share is be dedicated to, to your cause. Be dedicated to growing in Christ. Be dedicated to, to the mission. I don't know if I share this with you guys or not. You know, growing in Christ, sometimes there's a lot of, there will be critics. And one time there was a man by the name of Martin Luther Martin Luther King Jr. He, uh, there was some, there were some things going on in Philadelphia, you know, some, some injustice towards African Americans. And so he left Atlanta and went to Philadelphia and he began to gather up some, some people to, uh, you know, to protest, to protest the injustice. And while peacefully protesting injustice, he would put, he was put to, uh, and this was in uh, this was in Birmingham, not Phila not Philadelphia, Birmingham, Alabama. It's a two-hour drive from from Atlanta. I, I've been to Birmingham before. So while in Birmingham protesting some injustice, he was arrested. When he was arrested, all the Christian ministers of Birmingham, Alabama, got together, and they knew that Martin Luther King Jr. was a minister too. And so they felt like, well, if he's a minister, we're ministers. Maybe we can influence him. And so they wrote a letter to Martin Luther King Jr. They said, Martin Luther King Jr., number one, you're an outsider. 
you're not from Birmingham, and so the fact that you're doing protests here, it's not really right, and so you shouldn't be here. Christian pastors wrote that to him. The second thing, they, the second point they made in this letter, they said, Martin Luther King, we also don't think that protesting is the way to go. Eventually, things will change and everything's going to get into place, so just, you don't need to be doing what you're doing. After receiving that letter, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote back a letter from the Birmingham jail, which is famous today. And in that letter he said this, Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And you know the critics didn't stop him. Even though they were godly men, pastors, leaders, said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. He was dedicated to his cause, and no matter what kind of critics he had, no matter what, who tried to stop him, no matter how they tried to stop him, he went on going. He kept on going. And because of him, today we live in a different country. Listen, if you don't want to be embarrassed on the day of playback and payback, don't listen to your critics. Don't listen to your critics. Because on the day of playback and payback, your critics aren't going to be there. They're not going to be there, you know, they're willing. They're not going to be there they're, uh, taking, taking the blame that you didn't do what you wanted to do, that you didn't follow your dreams, your passion. Mm-mm. It's going to be you by yourself. Critics will be gone. So don't allow critics to stop you in your passion and in your dreams. Church, the day of playback and payback is coming. I want to encourage you, listen, if you were here Friday, I still keep up with what's going on. If you were here Friday just posting stuff for the garage sale, and maybe nobody, nobody saw that. Or, or maybe you had to take time away from family. God saw that. That was written in the book of remembrance. Maybe you come here to the prayer room and just at a time when nobody's here and nobody knows. Or maybe you set some time aside in your own room to, to play for Pastor, pray for Pastor Harold and What's going on in this church? Everything's written in the book of remembrance. And the day will come when payback and playback will be paid and played. I dreamed until the day that the Seahawks win the Super Bowl. But more importantly, I can't wait till the day when I stand before the Lord and the book of remembrance is open. That's where, you know what, it, if you're not celebrated here, it's okay. Because this, this ain't the place to be celebrated. Right there in heaven. That's where it's going to matter. When the book of remembrance is open, playback screens are set up, and everything is playback. Live a life that, in such a way that on the day of playback and payback, you may stand bold, because you know you've given your best. You've taken shots, but you've given your best. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Father, today I want to thank you so much for Pastor Harold. Lord, you've sent a man into my life to, to develop me so that I may be a minister that's, that's humble, a minister that's dedicated, a minister that's passionate, Lord, I, forever I will remain grateful, Lord, for such a man as Pastor Harold that came into my life. Thank you, Jesus.
I think our church today suffers because of because of leaders and, and pastors such as Pastor Hill. And I thank you that I that you brought me to a church to learn from one of the most dedicated and one of your best. Thank you, Father, for the time that we had here at River Oaks. Lord, they're open hearts. Thank you for, for each young person, for for all the celebrations that we had together, Lord. Thank you for all the memories created. God, I pray that you may bless this church. Lord, I want to pray that you may bless all the young people of this church. All the kids of this church. Today, Lord, we we heard that the greatest testimony one can have is being steadfast and not, and not giving in to the peer pressure. 